Hey, my name is James Reed. I am one of the pastors here at uh, Celebration Church and Outreach Ministry. Uh, last time I spoke here was the first Saturday in January, so uh, you know what? I get uh, I got to start out uh, January, and I'll get to finish it out as well. So uh, we're going to jump into God's Word tonight. You know, uh, early earlier today in this place, we celebrated the life of uh, Ed Gilmore, one that a uh, good many of us in this place knew very well. Amen. Yeah, clap. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I first came to this place in September of uh, 2015, I believe it was, uh, Ed was one of the first people that I met here. He was running the thrift store. He had been through our recovery program, and I think he had a chair leaning up against the wall out there smoking a big old fat cigar uh, there. Not, not real close to the thrift store. I'll just go on record for it. All right. Ed always made people smile. You know, so tonight my sermon, which is titled Amazed, okay, uh, it's, it's a sermon that I hope glorifies God first and foremost, uh, but I hope it uh, speaks about Ed because, you know, Ed was amazing. You know, he was amazing. So we're going to jump right in, all right? Uh, some of you were here last time I spoke, some of you not, and uh the first Saturday in January, I spoke uh, out of the second chapter of Luke, and tonight I will do the same. You know, I'd like to recognize, though, first, some of the teaching that has been here over the past several weeks. We've had some great speakers here. Jay Patrick was here for two weeks, and uh, Jay was talking about being a survivor. That was great. And then John Wagler here last week who uh, spoke, uh, he had us out on the water with, uh, with Jesus and uh, Peter there. So good words, both of those guys gifted uh, in so many ways. So the second chapter of Luke, well, Jesus says he's already came to planet Earth. Uh, he's, uh, he's already been uh, taken, and, and there's been a purification process uh, there. And last I was here out of that second chapter of Luke, we, we spoke of Simeon and, and this lady Anna, and we talked about the word fulfillment. You know, Simeon and Anna had waited for years and years. Matter of fact, Anna, it says that she never left, never left the temple, that she fasted and prayed, and, and Simeon uh, much the same. And they waited all those years, you know, and I'll share out of chapter 2. You don't have to go to verse 28. I'll read that for you. It says, Simeon took him in his arms, that's Jesus, and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. You know, Anna, at that time, uh, she was about 100 years old and still in doing ministry, you know, still doing ministry. You know, I pray to God that if he allows me to live that long, all right, that I would still be doing ministry as well. You know, we also looked at Luke, this guy that wrote that gospel, you know, that penned what God uh, put on his heart that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And we learned a little bit about Luke, and I would be remiss tonight to not at least share a little bit that and just review it real quick. You know, Luke uh, is the 
primary author of the New Testament, a lot of people think that it's the Apostle Paul. Uh, but if you count the verses, it's actually Luke. You know, he wrote the gospel, of course, and then he wrote Acts as well. And a lot of people think that Luke the physician was also a physician on a ship, on a merchant ship, because of the number of nautical terms that he uses uh, to, uh, to share and write the way that he wrote, you know. Luke was very detailed, and I think last time that I was here, I said, you know what, it's good for a doctor to be detailed, right? Right, you know, and I think I shared last time when I was a kid, and, you know, I was trying out for football, I went to this doctor named James T. Waddell down in Chester, and I'd go in there, and the, the extent of my physical was, can you see? You know, can you walk? All right, you're good. He signed the paper and sent me on my way. Well, I can tell you, the older you get, the more detail you hope your doctor has. Well, Luke had detail. So tonight, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 51. Go ahead and turn there if you haven't done that already. And I'm going to read this passage here to get us going tonight. Is it okay if I preach God's Word tonight? Is that okay with you? Is it okay... If I stick to the text tonight, is that good for you? Because that's what we're going to do, okay? Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 51, it says this. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him, that is Jesus, was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let me pray for us. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our collective hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and redeemer, we pray. Amen. Well, you know, the news that we received today in the 21st century uh, is almost uh, instantaneous, isn't it? You know, when things happen, people hear and see it quickly. Technology has changed reporting of world issues. I mean, it's real time. You know, years ago, and some of you are old enough in here to remember this. Of course, some of you say, what in the world is he talking about? But years ago, you had three channels on the television, and, you know, maybe a fourth if you could get that second dial just right, you know, which was public broadcasting, right? 
You had to get it right, and you had to have the right antennas, you know. But everybody, all the families out there, even a dysfunctional one like mine, we, we at least watched the news. We created some of it, as a matter of fact. All right? But at 6 o'clock, you tuned in to watch the news to find out what was going on in the world. And, and maybe this guy like Walter Cronkite would be the one delivering it, you know? I mean, even back in the 60s, he looked old to me as a kid. Well, you know, today our news, we get it in different ways, don't we? You know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I'm sure there's some others I'm missing out. There's all sorts of stuff out there right now. Now, if Mary and Joseph had lost Jesus today, I am sure that the folks on Facebook and Twitter and all these other things would probably capture that type of news. I mean, I can almost see it now. And, you know, I see some of you out on Facebook, right? I can see the news right now. Can you believe Mary and Joseph lost Jesus? That would be one of the headlines on Facebook. And then, of course, you know, the people that really like slipping in other people's business here and there would come up in there and say, someone, someone ought to call Child Protective Services on Mary and Joseph. There's some unfit parents. And then yet another, I can see it right now on Facebook or Twitter. That boy Jesus ain't as perfect as everyone says he is. He done ran away from home. Amen? You see, that's the way we get when we start twisting up stories, right? Well, tonight, instead of adding on things to God's Word, you know, instead of doing my own Facebook show up in here, a Twitter show, we're going to stick to the text. The reality is this, God's word is not so much about what I have to say, it is really about what he has to say, amen? You know, every time I prepare for a sermon, I, I say, how can I really deliver this well? How can I communicate well? But at the end of the day, you know what? If the Holy Spirit's not in it, it don't work. It's not about a performance for me, it's about God's word. You know, can you imagine what was going through Mary and Joseph's mind when they discovered that Jesus was missing in this text? Remember, they have a good deal of knowledge about who he is. They know who he is. The angel has spoken to both of them. They know who he is. I mean, you know, Mary gets pregnant with no help from Joseph. Amen? Right? They know who he is. Simeon and had prophesied over him. And, and Anna, she had prayed for him and prayed about him and awaited his, his uh, showing up on planet Earth and, and her getting to meet him face to face. You know, I picture Mary and Joseph at that time saying, God, you know, I know you gave us your son of the Most High to take care of. But it seems as though we have lost him. Right? Have any of you literally lost your kid in a, in a physical way? You know, I have to admit I did. It was only for a few brief moments, but it was, it was at, a, at the beach, you know, when my kids were only about yay tall. You know, and I turned, and there was thousands of people at Virginia Beach, and, you know, I knew my kids were right behind me. Right? Well, when I turned, my son Jimmy, he was gone. I couldn't find him. I was frantic. I started hollering, Jimmy, 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 where are you? And I can remember when he showed up how relieved I was. You know, I, I have to believe that Mary and Joseph 
they were relieved as well. Why? Because they were his earthly parents, right? They were relieved. You know, I can get frantic these days on just losing my keys or my debit card, which usually happens at least once a month. But to lose Jesus? I mean, come on now. You know, being lost in a physical way or somebody you know being lost physically is one thing. But let me say this tonight. Being lost spiritually is quite another. All right? It's something a whole lot more severe than that physical lostness. You know, when we speak about loss in the church, we typically are talking about a spiritual lostness, separation from God, if you will, confusion, frustration, sometimes even depression as a result of it. Well, in our story today, Jesus is physically lost from the perspective of Mary and Joseph, but make no mistake about it, he is not spiritually lost. He knew exactly where he was supposed to be. He knows who his heavenly father is, and he knows exactly where he is supposed to be in his father's house. So let's dig into the word a little bit. Verses 41 and 42, it says this, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. This festival, just to give you a little background on it, lasted seven days. Every Israelite was bound to be present with the exception of those who could not make the journey, which would include the sick, the aged, the blind, and the deaf. Boys under 12 years of age were not required to go to the festival. But here we go. We find Jesus here. Jesus was not there for his bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah happened at the age of 13. However, it was not unusual for a Jewish father to bring their sons in just to give them a sneak peek, all right, of what all this temple stuff and Jewish tradition and law and custom was all about. Well, let's hit verses 43 and 45. It says, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it, thinking he was in their company. They traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. You know, again, I can picture old Joseph turning to Mary and saying, uh-oh, we done lost Jesus, right? We done lost Jesus. And then I can almost see Mary responding to Joseph, what do you mean we done lost Jesus? What do you mean, Joseph? How did we lose Jesus? Well, let's not be too hard on old Mary or Joseph, you see, because this trip they took, there might have been as many as four million in that caravan, you know? That day at Virginia Beach when I was there and lost my son, it was probably a thousand, but four million. So let's not be so hard on him. Can you imagine trying to sort all that out? I mean, they had already traveled, right? They had They were already down the road a piece when they realized that he was not there. Well, verse 46 tells us this. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him, that's what it says, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. We're going to camp out there a little bit tonight. The title of the sermon is Amazed, but these are the words I want you to hear tonight. 
Sit, listen, ask questions, understand, and be amazed by Jesus. Amen. Can we do that tonight? All right. My question to all of us tonight, are you amazed at Jesus? Are you amazed at Jesus? You know, Jesus sitting at the feet of his teachers at the age of 12, even though, you know, Jesus is God. You know, most of us in here understand that Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But Jesus, at the age of 12, he is sitting at the feet of teachers. This would have been a norm in the Jewish tradition. Paul, if we read uh, the scripture in Acts 22.3, he also sat at the feet of his teacher. Gamaliel is his name. Jesus sitting at the feet of the teachers. Well, why did he sit? Well, Jesus submitted himself to the teaching of the teachers according to the Jewish custom. He listened. He asked questions. He remained humble. One of the biggest parts of learning is is being humble, being teachable, right? He did not flex his deity. He could have. He could have said, look, I'm God. I know this stuff, right? I know it better than you. But he didn't do that. He was humble. So let me fast forward a little bit, and you don't have to turn there. I'll read, read to you in Luke chapter 10. We also see another instance of those sitting at the feet, but this time they're sitting at the feet of the ultimate teacher. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 38 through 42, it says this. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Most of us know this story. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Sat at his feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. You know the story. But the Lord answered her, and listen to this answer. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, she chose the best option, to sit at his feet, to listen, to probably ask some questions. We sit, we listen. It's obvious in our passage today that that listening is important for us, you know, and I don't mind telling you it's something I've struggled with a good part of my life, right? Listening, valuing what others have to say. You know, Jesus knew that listening was important. Remember, he was raised in the Jewish tradition. He would have been exposed to the Old Testament law. He memorized much of it according to the custom of the Jew. He would have also had access to the wisdom literature and Proverbs. Proverbs has plenty to say about listening, a good word for us tonight. And I'm going to go through some of that. Some of these make me chuckle a little bit. Proverbs 12, 15 says this. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. That's good, isn't it? What we want to be, right? Wise or be that fool. Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, listens, listens, hears, it is folly and shame. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Ooh. And I've met people before who says, well, 
I want to tell you what my opinion is. Well, who asked you? You know what I'm saying? Right? We all got opinions. And, you know, there's a second part. I can't say that one in the church. Right? We all got opinions, don't we? Proverbs 19.27, cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Proverbs 2.2, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. That's that word, understanding. Proverbs 11.14, when there is no guidance, a, a people falls, but, uh, but in an abundance of counselors, there is sa- safety. We surround ourselves with wise counsel. That's what we do in like-minded community that's pursuing holiness. Amen? I don't need to be around a bunch of fools. Right? When I was out on the street using drugs and drinking alcohol, I was around a bunch of fools. I don't need to be there no more. I want wise counsel. Somebody that can speak life into me. Proverbs 11, 14, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counsels, there is safety. We, we've already hit that. In Proverbs 17, 28, it says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. I mean, that basically right there, just say, keep your mouth shut. You'll look a whole lot smarter. Amen? Right? Some people get stupid as soon as they open their mouths. I'm sure I do at times. We get stupid quick. Well, you know, the other gospel writers, they had something to say about listening as well. Mark 4, 24, and, you know, there's a handout out there that has all of these uh, passages on there uh, that you can take home and look tonight. Mark 4, 24, it says, And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. That's good. Matthew eleven fifteen. he who has ears to hear, let him hear. John 8, 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. And then listen to this, the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Woo! We got to hear, we got to listen. Jesus listened and he, and he asked questions. In our passage, we see the Son of Man, God himself, asking questions. You know, most of you have probably heard the old saying, the only dumb question is one that you don't ask, and that's so true. You know, as we study God's Word, we should ask questions as we study a passage. It's clear from our passage today that asking questions is part of understanding You know, and part of Bible studying, at least the way I teach people how to study the Bible, and I'm going to tell you, I didn't invent it at all. I offer up some of these questions that you should ask when you're reading your Bible, when you're looking at a passage, and it's on your handout. What observations can I make about the verse or the passage that I'm reading? You know, these read the Bible in one year things are great. You know, nothing against those things, but what are you taking from it? Or is it just some exercise you sit and do and say, all right, check that. You know, I did day 12. I'm good. What questions are you asking as you go through it? You know, when you come across an unusual word in God's word, how do you go and find out what that word means? There's all sorts of resources out there for you. What's the context of what I'm reading? And what does that mean? Well, what came before it and what came after it? You see, I've seen people even in this church here quote scripture out of context to fit whatever their motive was. Shame. Ain't about my motives. 
It's about God, about glorifying God, you see. Then ask, you know, who wrote what I'm reading here? You know, we, we know ultimately that, that, is, that it's revelation. It's God breathed. We know where it comes from. But, but who wrote it? Where was it written from? Who was it written to? What are the absolute truths that I see in the passage that I'm looking at, that I'm reading? You know, what do I take from it, you know? What is an absolute truth? Well, it's this. It means that the writing was good for then, it's good today, and it's going to be good tomorrow. Amen? That's an absolute truth. And then what are the practical applications relative to these absolute truths? How do I go out there and do something with it? You see, because a bunch of knowledge up in my head don't do me no good at all if I don't do something with it. And then I'll throw this one in here. What voices are you listening to in the church? You know, who's your favorite teacher? Who are you watching out there? Have you vetted them? And I hate using that word, but have you kind of considered what their theology are? They, are they preaching Jesus as a son of God who, who went to the cross and died for your sins and went to the grave and came out of that grave and ascended to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to live in you? Is that what they're preaching or is it something else? You know, we got a lot of pastors out there right now that are preaching manby-pamby gospels. What do I mean by that? They either add something to it or they take something away from it. They don't give you the gospel. You don't need that. You need truth. And guess what? God's word will give you that. The simple truth is this. To ask a question is to come into understanding. You know, Jesus was a good student. Jesus respected his teachers. Jesus was focused on truth himself. Jesus is the truth. Jesus humbled himself. You know, the mark of a good learner is one that, you know, will sit and listen to the thoughts and the teaching of others and, and then go back and take it to God and, and marinate in it, all right, and discover absolute truths in it. That's good. Jesus sat. He listened. He asked questions. He learned. He, he listened to understand, so what about understanding? Let's shift gears to Mary and Joseph for a minute in our passage today. There were certain things Mary and Joseph did not understand. It says it right there in the passage. I didn't make that up. And guess what? There are certain things that we don't understand as well. You know, no matter how close we get to Jesus, our, our real understanding has the potential to be delayed. Maybe it's just part of the process. Maybe, maybe God just wants us to to, to dig in a little bit deeper. There are some things that we just don't understand. And why? Well, I'm glad you asked. You know, my best explanation of that is this. In Isaiah 55, 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Simply put, he is God and we are not. He is I am. And I heard a pastor today say this, and I am, am not. He is I am and I am, am not. It's all about Jesus. Well, let's go to verses 48 through 50. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Well, you can already tell that 
that Mary and Joseph aren't from Southside Richmond because if my mom had found me after I'd done left for two or three days, she'd have been saying this, this, I'm going to whip you all the way back to the house. That's what my mom would have said, right? Well, they asked a question and Jesus answers in verse 49. He says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Again, Joseph and Mary's thoughts were not the thoughts of Jesus. There were things that even they did not understand. At this point in the story, despite knowing Jesus was the son of God, Mary and Joseph still did not understand. You know, in this short passage uh, tonight, I look at two different words. The teachers were amazed at his teaching, but Mary and Joseph were astonished, astonished when they found him. You know, if you look at the definition of these two words, there is some overlap there. In certain cases, in certain contexts, they mean the same, but not in this text tonight. Mary and Joseph's astonishment came with confusion. And even with the knowledge that they had about their son and the fact that he was the son of the Most High and that Mary was supernaturally impregnated, all of that, they still lacked understanding. So where do you go from there? Where do we go from there? I'll tell you where we go from there. We go to faith. Our answer is in faith. This is where faith kicks in for us. Even though we may understand faith at a certain level, we need to pray for more of it. We know that the scripture tells us we have a measure of it, right? But we need to pray for more of it. Matthew 21, 22, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Here we go, hear, listen, hear, listen. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is an assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then finally, 2 Corinthians 5.7, for we walk by faith, what? Not by sight, right? Not by sight. This is how it all shapes up. God has a plan, a perfect plan. We don't have to have all the details to the perfect plan. And you know what? We need to be okay with that. I'm not sure I would want to have all the details to the plan he has for me. I can tell you if, if God had come to me when I was 17 and unloaded, you know, the past 43 years of my life and all the bits and pieces to it, I don't know what I'd have done. I might have jumped in that Virginia Beach ocean somewhere. I don't need all the details. I just need to have faith. And then I need to sit and listen and ask questions to understand. That's what I need to do. I don't need the details. Tomorrow will take care of itself. You know, this past week, I found myself in Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21. And tonight I offered from the King James Version. It says that when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. 
And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out, that demon? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You see, faith, faith, sit, listen, ask questions to understand, you know, press into prayer and faith. You know, obviously Mary and Joseph who experienced Jesus in a, in a one-of-a-kind way struggled with faith and, and understanding at some level. It says so right in the passage, and so do we. We are human just like Mary and Joseph. We are not God. We are not Jesus. You know, Jesus in our story is fully human, but yet he's fully God. Complete understanding will not occur for us this side of heaven. We pursue it, though, nevertheless, don't we? We still pursue it. We still press into it. Mary and Joseph were astonished, and in the context of our passage today, they were confused. The teachers and the others in the temple that day were not astonished. They were not astonished. They were amazed by Jesus. Well, this word amazed, what does it mean? You know, I ho hope I'm successful in sharing, sharing a little example of a, amazement for me. You know, Braden, my grandson, and he was in here today, uh, Ed Gilmore's, uh, and I just love that kid. I'm going to tell you one thing. I hurt somebody over that boy. I, I just go on and tell it right now. I mean, he's like the apple of my eye. He's my grandson. Well, you know, Braden went to school, at uh, preschool at Clover Hill Church, and and they did a great job with him. Nevertheless, he carried a speech impediment for much of his stay there. Braden worked with a speech therapist, and she did an excellent job with him. In first grade, he attended Evergreen Elementary School. They continued to work with him, but Braden still struggled some with his speech. And then this past year, at the beginning of all this COVID stuff, we knew, you know, Braden needed probably something else. We, we ended up sending him to Richmond Christian School. Well, in the first couple of months that he was there, Braden still struggled. And then all of a sudden, bam, this guy is reading. He's quoting scripture verses. He's teaching me scripture. He recognizes numbers, letters, words. He's reading books. Most recently, as we were on our way to school, he saw an open house sign on the side of the road and asked me if we could go and take a look at it that it was going to be 12 to 4 on Sunday. I said, well, great. That sounds good, right? You know, Braden's only seven. And here's another thing. No longer can Beth, my wife, and I speak in code. And you know what I'm talking about. You know where you spell the words out, right? I can't do it now. He knows the words already. So why do I tell you all of that, that story tonight? i tell you why, because I'm amazed at my grandson, you know? I'm amazed. We need that same kind of amazement about Jesus, don't we? We need to be amazed by him. You know, here's the deal. Even though there was knowledge of a coming Messiah, when he showed up at that temple that day, he was brand new. The teachers in the temple have never, had never experienced anything like Jesus. They were amazed. 
This word that teachers had studied for so many years according to Jewish tradition and law had now arrived in the flesh on their front doorstep. Well, again, my question for all of us tonight is this. Are we still amazed at who Jesus is? You know, maybe some of you have known the Lord for a long time. You've been walking with him. I hope you never get bored with him, right? I hope you never get to a place where you think you know everything about him. Jesus wants to show us something new every single day. He wants us to be amazed. You know, do we recognize things that happen in our lives that could have only been orchestrated by God himself? Are you amazed by that? I am. You know, but sometimes we forget our last blessing, don't we? Right? We got selective memories. Are we amazed or are we confused? Well, you know, some, I can only answer for me, there are times when I'm both, quite frankly, because I'm human. And you know what? I think Mary struggled in that way too. I mean, think about it. She watched her son go to a cross. How could my son, God's son, the son of the most high, die so violently, Lord? She was amazed yet confused as well. You know, based on the scripture, much of Jesus' family and some of the disciples did not understand. They did not understand that Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection, even though they had watched him heal people, bring people back from the dead, walk on water, turn a few fish and a few loaves of bread to feed thousands of people. But yet they still did not understand. There are times just like the disciples where we will experience amazement and astonishment or confusion on the same day sometimes even the same hour I see it around here all the time particularly with a type of work we do with with addiction you know where there's amazement yet confusion and frustration all in the same day well guess what we saw it on the cross as well, and I might be taking a little bit of biblical liberty here, but, but Jesus himself in Matthew 27, 46, it says, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, that is my God, my God, you have forsaken me. Again, I'm taking liberty, but were there some things that even Jesus did not understand until after the resurrection? I believe so. So where do we go from here? We pursue Jesus. That's what we do. That's what we do here at Celebration Church. We pursue understanding with full knowledge that there will be some things this side of heaven that we don't understand. But nevertheless, we pursue in like-minded community that's pursuing holiness right here in this place. You know, in our gaps of understanding, we pray for more faith. That's what we do. You know, we have a measure of it, but we pray for more. And then we marinate when it comes and, and soak up all the amazement, the amazement. You know, in here and in my family, this is my family right here. It's where I've spent the past five and a half years of my life. It's family. You know, those that are in our residential homes that have suffered from addiction or have been tormented by some pimp or, or beaten by some man. That's my family. They're the ones that I trust most. Are you amazed? Well, let me give you some things here. Are we amazed that we can be set free from addiction? 
Are we amazed that a pimp no longer can use us for gain? Are we amazed that I'm not going to be domestically violated anymore? Are we amazed that God has healed me from an illness? Are we amazed that God has given me insight to a problem that I've struggled with for years? Am I amazed that I have a job and that I can support my family? Am I amazed that broken relationships have been restored in my family? Am I amazed that God's grace is truly unconditional? Am I amazed that that God sent his one and only son that whoever should believe in him would have everlasting life? Am I amazed that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, listen here now, lives in me? He's in me. Am I amazed I have brothers and sisters in Christ I can trust and count on? And not all of them look like me, and that's a good thing, I just want to say. Right? Am I amazed that my God, my Jesus, does not change on me and that I can place all of my trust in him? You see, he's going to be the same tomorrow that he was today. He's not going to flip-flop on me. He's no poser. All right? He's no manipulator. He's none of that. He's the same. Well, let me ask you, are you amazed tonight at who Jesus is? Are you amazed? You know, as we make our way through 2021, I I pray that individually and collectively here at Celebration Church that we seek understanding in and through God's Word. I pray that that when we take the knowledge and the understanding, we then take it and apply it. I believe that we stand on that hilltop right now here in the history of this place. We stand on that hilltop looking into the promised land. That's what I believe. You know, back in 2009, I've only heard the stories. I visited a couple times. There's a couple thousand people in here, right? I mean, numbers are great. I'm just glad you're here tonight. God knew from the beginning of time who was going to be here tonight. Do you understand that? There's a purpose. There's a reason we're still here. You hear me? We're going to stick to faith. We're going to pray and press on. You know, I believe that we have stayed the course if we, as we have sought God's perfect plan in this place over time. I believe that through our obedience, God will bless this place and the people of this place and say these words, come on into the promised land. Come on into the promised land. And then guess what? We'll all stand amazed, won't we? We'll be amazed. Are you amazed 